welcome to this episode of the Psychology of Music podcast, hosted by the York Music Psychology Group. My name is Mimi O'Neill, and I'm thrilled to welcome you, or to welcome you back. The goal is to share our work with each other in the field, and also make these exciting topics more accessible to non-specialist audiences. So whether you're a researcher, a student, a musician, a music lover, or just curious about the way that we interact with music, you're in the right place. This week, we have a special series of shorter episodes showcasing five PhD research projects in the field of music psychology. The aim of any PhD is to contribute original knowledge to the field in which we work. Those that embark on that journey explore their chosen subject for a minimum of three years, often eating, sleeping, living and breathing the subject. In many cases, what we will be discussing this week will be a work in progress and we're really lucky to have these first glimpses of the future of music psychology. Our first PhD student this week is Emma Risley. Emma has just started her PhD under the supervision of Professor Stephanie Pitts and Professor Dominic Broomfield-McHugh at the University of Sheffield. Her PhD investigates the psychological cost of a career in musical theatre, identifying key priorities for improving the well-being of professional performers in the UK. Emma's academic journey began at the University of York, graduating with a first in music in 2021. Her undergraduate dissertation investigated musical theatre and empathy, understanding whether participants with higher levels of trait empathy responded with higher emotional intensity to musical theatre excerpts. She graduated last summer with a distinction in her MA in the Psychology of Music from the University of Sheffield, in which she investigated the well-being of amateur musical theatre pit musicians. Welcome, Emma, and thank you for being our very first PhD student on the Psychology of Music podcast. So come on then, give me the elevator pitch of your PhD. What is it you're working on? I'm really grateful to be here, Mimi. I'm really excited. So my PhD um, is titled Eight Shows a Week, Investigating the Psychological Cost of a Career in Musical Theatre. And I'm breaking that down. Um, I'm basically in investigating the well-being of professional musical theatre performers. Um, so we're talking about the triple threat performers, singing, acting and dancing on stage. Um, and basically what their careers are like, what their experiences are like day to day, and um, the investigating the demanding nature of this eight shows a week phenomenon that they're part of. And um, could you just, where, what stage are you at? How far through your PhD have you got to? Yep, so just in the first year at the moment, so it began in October, um, and so at the moment I've finished a literature search and in in the second chunk really of the literature review i've done um the first main section moving on to um the second one so i've done a section on culture and the creative industries and situating musical theater within that and then now i'm looking at um, musical theater as a genre and sort of defining different terms within it and the training um, and, and that kind of thing and how that will then feed into the well-being um, i've also begun some interviews with experts to try and shape the project um, so these are i had ethical approval about a month ago and so we've just begun interviewing and um, transcribing and initial analysis um, and so yeah, all, all at the beginning process, really. Yeah, I mean, it's such an exciting stage, isn't it? Musical theatre, it seems a really interesting perspective to take. And I feel like this is a really under-researched subject matter in the field of music psychology. Is that fair or have I just not read the papers? 
Um, I would say it's quite fair. Um, I think musical theatre is under-researched. Within um, research, it's neglected. And um, within the economy and society, I think it is also under-appreciated. Um, I've got a stat for you, Mimi, that over £500 million of revenue um, was generated for musical theatre in the West End last year. And yet the government and society just doesn't view musical theatre as as a high art, really. And within theatre itself, um, acting is is favoured and, and there's a stigma surrounding acting in musical theatre as well. So it's it's heartbreaking, really, that it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Um, but there is some research. Um, there's limited research on sort of the experiences um there's a musical theatre journal that do a lot on sort of a musicology side of things and there is some some studies on sort of um when they investigate a triple threat singing acting and dancing there are some studies on like singing and dancing but they rarely ever talk about acting within that so it's quite fragmented and it's not so much as a triple threat as a whole but it's often just sort of sections of it and um yeah so i'm, I'm seeking to contribute to this more broad understanding of, of careers in musical theatre, which there has been a little bit um, done. A, I will talk about one thesis that was published last year that was that was fantastic um, in Australia by uh, Melissa Fenton. Um, but I'm sort of hoping to build on her work a bit more, um, talking more about well-being and particularly no one I don't think has spoken about inequalities within musical theatre and people from protected characteristics and, and minority groups um, and their experiences as well. And I think that's really important. It feels like there are so many gaps and, and often what we're seeking to do with research is to address the gaps in the research, but there are so many. So how have you chosen or how have you identified the ones that are a priority to research at this point? Oh, it's a hard decision, Mimi. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, when we came into it, we I wanted to do well-being in musical theatre as the whole sort of industry. So I was going to compare pit musicians um, with the onstage performers. And then when I spoke to, I've got two industry partners. Um, and when I spoke with them, they explained that in their well-being organisations, they deal with um, all of the house, they'd say. So they deal with the backstage crew, wigs and wardrobe. And when they do well-being sessions with the industry, they're talking with everybody. But as I got more and more into the literature and thinking about how can I really articulate what I'm trying to say and, and, and make it um, specific and yet kind of broad in, in, a, in a sense. And we just had to draw lines somewhere. So we, we had to just go with the onstage performers. Um, and, and then in terms of sort of inequalities, I, I just think that's such an important area as someone from a minority group um, within the LGBT community and also as a woman, I think lifting the voices of, of people that aren't represented is just so important. So we, we kind of went down those two main avenues, yeah. Yeah, I mean, great justification. And hey, look, you've got a lifetime ahead of you to research these things. So even if it's not all in the PhD, that's okay. There's still time. Yeah, I definitely a postdoc on, on pit musicians or maybe like the backstage relationships, yeah. Hey, you hear, heard it here first. If you're looking for a postdoc, 
<laughs> three years time Emma will be looking for a position <laughs> where did your interest in musical theatre come from and you were performing yourself or? um yeah so when I was doing my dissertation at undergrad I wanted to do emotional responses to music and strong emotional responses and um I kind of came up with this idea of like being in love with the music so in intensely um and I was like I said to my supervisor at the time you know is it possible I could do it on musicals I just love musicals and I have these strong emotional responses I'd love to see if other people do and he was like yeah and I just didn't believe I couldn't believe that that was a an area you could research um and yeah definitely coming from a before um a audience perspective um I just have loved musicals my whole life and um I think when I go and see a show I can't fathom how they do it eight shows a week um so main main idea came from that really great thank you so what methods or approaches are you using to investigate this topic? Yeah, so I'm under the guidance of Stephanie Pitts, um, who I'm sure you know is a legend when it comes to qualitative research. Um, and I'm I'm using interviews. Um, at the moment, I mentioned I'm doing some expert interviews with sort of broad industry um people in the industry who have knowledge from a broad angle um, so we're talking about musical directors and um, ex-performers well-being practitioners within the industry um, and just trying to get a broad understanding of of what it's like to be in the industry from that out outside perspective before then talking to performers next year who perhaps might not be aware of some of the the those those things that we're going to be talking about um, so yeah definitely interviews um, and also um, within that I'm, I'm trying to do thematic analysis um, which is basically where you go through an interview and um, line by line sort of code what the participant's saying and then from there you develop candidate themes so you um, come up with sort of suggested themes that might be um, at play within within the um, text and then from there you, you um, develop these main themes um, which which will be um, come your findings um, from from the interview um, so interviews as well I'm hoping to do a little bit of quants next year um, quantitative so that's more numbers and stats um, and I'm thinking about possibly doing experience sampling which is kind of like diary entries um, and getting performers in their real life experiences to rate how they're feeling at that moment and then i'm hoping that would supplement um the the interview data so we'll have a, a mixture of qualitative so words and quantitative um findings but probably mainly qual and it's just sort of supporting that interesting experience something with the with the performers that would be the aim yeah so um maybe getting people who are currently in shows and and because their days can vary so drastically so you 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 might have the morning off in some roles in other roles you might be at work from from the morning so dance captains have immense responsibility and if somebody is off within the cast they have to then adjust the show accordingly to make sure it can go ahead in the evening so some some performers are working throughout the day and into the evening um, and so at different points throughout that day getting a sort of notification to respond at how you're feeling at that point and um, i think would be a really interesting um sort of method to use yeah really interesting and, and such an interesting snapshot into that world which i think is often quite sort of shrouded in mystery the backstage element of it and um, to what extent do you think there is variance within the industry, so sort of West End versus not West End and, and between different shows, which I imagine different shows that have different levels of demand for the performers. 
Yes, definitely. Yeah. So that's another thing we're, we're thinking about um, how shows vary. For example, um, some shows are entirely sung like Les Mis. And so if you're in one of the leading roles there, you've got a, a an immense demand on your voice as opposed to um, physical sort of movement um, roles. So there's a show at the moment in the West End called Newsies, which is a heavily dance show, which I saw and it was just amazing seeing these performers just so out of breath every three seconds they got like a standing ovation for another dance routine so shows can vary so much and um again touring i think you, you perhaps were alluding to there and how you're going to have immense additional pressures from being on tour being away from your family being away from that support network so yeah like you said at the start this is quite a broad topic so we're, we're trying our best with with gaining an understanding of of the broad experiences and then the hope is to try and um make recommendations in any way we can to help improve sections sections of it really um but i do think the the uk performers it is very london centric um and my expert interviews have sort of um, alluded to that as well. And I think you'll be in London predominantly. And then with the touring, that's when you'll go to the regional theatres. Um, obviously, there are exceptions, but I think we are probably going to focus on London just as it is the main hub. Um, again, a postdoc could be regional performance as well. <laughs> yeah. You sort of um, actually hinted at it there but but what are the goals of this project what do you hope to achieve with the information that you do uncover through this phd project yeah so i i really think a key driver to like keeping me going in this phd is like that end goal what are we trying to achieve and i think ultimately it would be improving the lives of performers i think um, if we can make findings from this project extremely accessible in a short document that provides guidance support places they can go um, giving recommendations of well-being support services like the organizations i work with um, and that would be for performers where can these performers immediately get help how can they improve their well-being now and then another side of that would also be with productions and aiming at more um, sort of the creative teams of productions and how can they improve the lives of performers and then within that how can we improve the industry so um, I did a presentation a couple of weeks ago and and um, one of my colleagues at um, Sheffield made the suggestions of policy can I make any policy recommendations and so that's something um, me and my supervisor are thinking about now sort of later on in the project how can we make these recommendations to try and drive forward a larger change within the industry um, but yeah definitely real world impacts we're looking for here is there any scope to consider those who want to be in the industry but can't because we know it's so competitive and we know that there are far fewer professional jobs than there are people who would like to do them is that something that comes into this or is that just beyond the scope at this point yeah, definitely. So I think, Mimi, this is where the psychological cost idea comes in. So um, what, some some literature on acting and um, straight actors, um, that would just refer to um, sort of a normal play as opposed to musicals. Um, there's quite a lot of literature on identity and there's a psychological cost, they say, of this cycle of um, auditioning and rejection. And so, yeah, definitely, if, if you're encountering... Um, rejection after rejection that that definitely does have a psychological impact to your well-being and also um in these expert interviews and in the literature we've come across the idea of survival jobs so they've um alluded to that most if not all performers at some point have 
a survival job where you have a sort of a, a side job. There's a trope of an actor um, being a waiter that is very present in the industry, it seems. Um, and a lot of um, performers have to maintain these survival jobs being an uh, being a waiter or or being a teacher alongside your contracts in a in a stage show so that when that stage show contract ends you have a job to revisit um which is a definite difficult thing to manage having multiple jobs at once perhaps when you don't actually need that income at that point so it, yeah it's definitely really difficult i think people who perhaps um don't end up in the industry i'm not considering i think i'm mainly focusing on people who are currently in the industry um just because we we want that experience of what a career is like in musical theater but definitely um musical theater training and and entering into the industry itself is a really interesting topic and there's actually a colleague at sheffield is doing that um he's investigating um musical theater training and students perspective and, and well-being um which is super interesting but yeah sort of um i suppose it would be difficult to um understand numbers perhaps of people that don't pursue it who sort of begin pursuing and then drop out um i think i've come across a uh, straight acting literature and they have sort of said like it's very difficult to find people who have given it up um and i think when you get to certain life stages there's definitely drop out of when you're in middle age and you've got a family and other commitments and you need that stable job i think people do definitely drop out so yeah i mean we're just uncovering more and more things that need research I suppose it's a bit like um, Stephanie Pitts and, and Sarah Price have got this idea of a non-attender at concerts. It's a bit like that. How do you say to someone, why aren't you here if they're not here? Yeah, exactly. So you have uh, alluded to the desire to amplify unheard voices, marginalised groups and protected characteristics. Do you think that the fact that musical theatre is often assumed to be a sort of queer space, do you think that's part of the reason why it hasn't been researched? previously before now yeah Mimi I think that's a great question I think it's it's a very difficult thing to answer really because I think um, musical theatre in its history has constantly been associated with minority groups in fact the the history of musical theatre immigrants um, kind of developed a lot of the American musical theatre identity we have today um, and in a lot of shows you have um, this this sort of presence of you know these stereotypically gay characters or of a flamboyant um, male you know lead role kind of thing, um, but I think in reality the experiences of these performers are quite different to what we see on stage. Um, a great example is um, Hamilton and how Lin Manuel Miranda sort of um, he he's spoken about how he doesn't feel there are enough roles for um, performers from from a diverse range of backgrounds, and he's saying you know having um, a diverse cast is just so important and I think um, the experiences of people from minority groups is so important to explore because though on the surface it might seem quite diverse in reality I don't think it is and one of my quotes from the um, expert interviews is so uh, sort of shocking and it's the industry is diverse but not inclusive so on the surface it seems that it's it's this diverse happening place and there's a welcoming space for all um, but actually if you are a black performer and you go into a audition room and the whole panel are a white creative team that's going to definitely impact your experiences and i think um yeah it's it's lifting these voices and, and trying to um um yeah give a platform for the experiences of all performers
So as well as chatting to me for the podcast, you are going to be giving a five-minute flash talk in the Music Cognition Matters speaker series on Friday. Can you give us a brief overview of what we can expect from your presentation? Yeah, so um, definitely similar to what we've been discussing here, definitely musical-centric um, and, um, yeah, talking about the experiences of performers, but I think I'd love to share a bit more about the findings that I'm beginning to get. Um, so definitely some some more juicy quotes from my um, expert interview so far and um, explaining some of the things I'm uncovering within the project. So I don't want to give too much away, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be even more sort of specific than um, than this chat today. Yeah, great. And it's a challenge to do that in five minutes. So we'll make sure to tune in and, and learn a bit more about it. Now, as part of this speaker series, we are also inviting presenters to issue a call to action or just a prompt for further thought and discussion. So if this is a topic that is of interest and you would like to be part of that conversation, then make sure you join us for Emma's presentation. While we're here, I wonder if it would be all right to reflect a little on your experience as a PhD student so far. What have been the highlights and the challenges? Has there been anything that surprised you at all about yourself or just about the process of doing a PhD? Yeah, so I think that's a great question. I think it's it's I'm obviously only in my first year, so I've still got a lot to experience. Um, but I think talking to people before the PhD kind of helped give an insight of what kind of um, things I would encounter. I think um, my second supervisor, um, Dom Brumfield McHugh, he explained that there would be quite emotional challenges with it. And I need to be sort of certain this would be the project I wanted to pursue. And I think um, from that i think having a good relationship with your supervisors is so key um and i think um without that i you you'd struggle to have a support network i think because you don't have a sort of a cohort of classmates um and the cohort of phd students at sheffield and most universities is quite small um we do have some meetups which is which is really fun but it, it's not this 200 strong um you know um cohort of peers i would say that i didn't realize how important changes of scene are um so i often work from home in the morning and then i go into the library in the afternoon um, and i always find like that walk to the library i often call my mom or my girlfriend or my nan and so i get a bit of interaction because it, it can be quite a lonely day just sort of solo working um and i'd say that exercise has really helped like making sure you get out and get that fresh air and then coming back and you can feel a bit more inspired to get on with the work um yeah, it has been quite challenging, but I think it's it's I can pursue this. I can do this for another two and a half years. It's it's not too it's not too scary. I think once you've got a groove and and get into it and sort of you you know ways to make it easier for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's really a really good ad, sort of advice and experience that you've learned so far. Um, because it is daunting. It's a big project and, and you are working on it with your supervisors, but alone a lot of the time. If you could go back and tell pre-PhD Emma something, what would you tell her? What advice would you give? I think pre-PhD Emma wouldn't have believed I would be doing a PhD at all. Um, I 
struggled academically at school. I ended up with some A-levels that I just was not pleased with. And sort of entering uni, I did not think I would be able to pursue academia. I thought um, I might struggle because I just couldn't do exams. Um, I just found the pressure sort of, and I'd never remembered things. Um, but going into university and having coursework and then going into a master's and actually finding a passion for something, um, I couldn't believe I could study musical theatre in a sort of well-being aspect, um, which I think is amazing. And I think I just tell her that like, you're going to be doing a PhD. That's just so amazing. And I think it's a great to push yourself and, and have a great challenge like this. And it's really comforting to work on something for a long period of time. And I, I know I'm going to be in Sheffield and I know I'm going to be working with these people for the next few years, which I think is really reassuring in early career um, because a lot of my friends don't know where they're going to be next year, which I think I'm really fortunate to, to know that. Um, and I think follow your dreams, people. That's the main advice. That's so lovely. I've actually known Emma since she was an undergraduate student and to see you now is just the most rewarding thing. I'm so proud of everything you've achieved so far. Um, so yeah, quite right. Emma can do it. My final question is, is there an article or similar that you have read recently that you would recommend to others? Yes, definitely. So I alluded to it earlier um, and my suggestion would be the thesis by Melissa Fenton, um, who is an Australian um, academic and their thesis is on musical theatre. Um, they touch a bit on well-being. Um, it's mainly focused on sort of curricula of musical theatre um, and also entering the industry and, and following careers and how musical theatre students are somewhat prepared in the sense of their discipline specific skills and, and performing but um, a lot of the thesis speaks about um, a lack of career sort of um, sort of wider career um, understanding and sort of the challenges that a career in musical theatre will will have in it. Emma thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all of your research and your plans and your questions with me. Um, we are very much looking forward to your Music Cognition Matters presentation. I'm really excited to do it. See you then. You can watch Emma's Music Cognition Matters flash talk online at one o'clock this Friday, the 26th of May. The link is in the show notes and can also be found at muz-cog-matters.glitch.me. The International Conference of Students of Systematic Musicology is an annual student-run event designed to allow advanced students in the fields of systematic musicology and music science to meet and discuss their research. This year, the SISMUS Conference will be held in Sheffield from the 18th to the 20th of October. SISMUS is dedicated to including a broad range of topics, including music perception, cognition and psychology, music therapy, education and sociology, music modelling and information retrieval, acoustics, theory and analysis, and culture, semiotics and philosophy. Keynote speakers include internationally renowned researchers working in the field of systematic musicology and music science. This year, the keynote speakers are Professor Lauren Trainer from McMaster University's Department of Psychology, Neuroscience and Behaviour, Dr. Maiko Kawabata from the Royal College of Music and Open University, and Dr. Julian Cespedes Guevara of Assessi University's Department of Psychological Studies. There will also be a range of panel discussions and workshops, paper and poster presentations, and opportunities for networking. Sismus 23 is a hybrid event. Visit sites.google.com slash sheffield.ac.uk slash 23 for more information. We look forward to seeing you there.
thanks for listening and I hope to welcome you back for our next episode tomorrow in which we will be exploring children's subjective responses to music with Caroline Owen.